This is Curated Chill, the Aspire Design and Home podcast. What can be said about design style and philosophy based somewhat exclusively on geographical location? Opinions vary. You have the East Coast anchored by high style, ultra luxe, fast paced New York design ethos. You have the West Coast with a decidedly more inside out, biophilic, chill, experiential design approach. What about the third coast? Is it real or imagined? I wanted to find out, and Design Chicago seemed to be the perfect venue for this. The Diorora showroom was the backdrop for a conversation to explore this idea. I'm Josh Cooperman, Director of Broadcast Media with Hudson One Media, and I was joined at Design Chicago in front of a sizable crowd of designers. Aaron Humphrey and Jim Josephson, project leads with James Thomas Designs. Kay Tyler and Bob Zuber, architects with Morgante Wilson Architects. And me, having a conversation about the Third Coast. I I wasn't really sure where this conversation was going to go. It was a a winding journey that covered a few issues of note. There's a very distinct Midwestern design philosophy that is inextricably tied to hardworking, subdued, don't-look-at-me-look-at-the-work mindset. And the Third Coast is that mindset. It is basically the Midwest. So you have that, and you also have this incredible lake life philosophy. Did you know that there are over 4,530 miles around the Great Lakes? To put this in perspective, to put this in perspective, California has 840 miles of coastline. So with all this coastline comes an incredible canvas for outdoor living, winter recreation, and summer fun. This was a fun chat, one that all of us at Aspire Design and Home are thrilled to share with you. View from the Third Coast, live from Design Chicago in the Diorora showroom, a beautiful space inside the Mart, one of the most amazing and inspirational structures in the country. Thank you, Design Chicago and Diorora, for hosting this chat. Curated Chill is the perfect podcast companion for anyone who truly loves design art, and architecture. We strive to bring you the story behind Sublime Design every week directly to your smart device. Listen, subscribe, and come back to chill. Super excited about this conversation because, you know, just in listening to the intro, it's so true if you think about it, unless you're L.A., San Francisco, New York, Boston, Miami... There's this chasm of the design flyover states, right? But there is such remarkable work taking place here. It's exquisite and it's wonderful and it's undiscovered. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So you've already heard a little bit about me. I'm Josh Cooperman. I'm the director of broadcast media for Hudson One Media, um, Aspire Magazine, uh, Aspire Design and Home Gallery Magazine. And we're thrilled to be here and equally thrilled to have this amazing panel. And what I'd like to do, I could read a bio, you could read a bio, but I've always found it's hearing creators introduce themselves is, is just so much fun. And so I'd like to let them do it themselves. And I sat in the first chair. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my name is Kay Tyler. I am Director of Interior Design at Morganti Wilson Architects. 
Um, I would describe, uh, give my background, the description of um, sort of uh, a windy road, um, a very windy road, um, Candyland route, so to speak. Um, so I started out as a business person. I went to Southern Methodist University in Dallas, Texas, got a business degree, went to work as a corporate auditor for PricewaterhouseCoopers. Um, it took me a very little short time to figure out that that was not the right path for me. Um, I think maybe two years in, I would literally sort of daydream about maybe just getting nicked on the ankle by a bus so that I didn't have to go to work. Um, you know, not totally incapacitated, but just on the ankle. <laughs> just on the ankle. Um, and, and so, you know, after three years, I was like, okay, i got to start over. How do I rethink this whole thing? And you start soul-searching, and you soul-search in a way where it's like, all right, this is very important. Now that when you've been in a job where you're unfulfilled all day, every day, it becomes critically important and crystal clear that you have to sort of find out something that does fulfill you. So then you get really focused on that. And so I'm like, okay, I'm up all night repainting my bedroom or re-wallpapering my bathroom or I'm spending more money on design books and magazines than I am on my clothes. Um, maybe that's an indication that I love design. And so... Um, but only being three years out, I didn't want to start completely over, and so I had a colleague um, that I worked with at Price Waterhouse who had started a career in buying at Neiman Marcus, who's based in Dallas. And so I'm like, oh, great, I'll start. Maybe I'll go into furnishings industry as a buyer. And so that actually worked out. I was a senior uh, buyer for um, Neiman Marcus Direct, the catalog division for the decorative accessories for like five or six years. That was great. Um, got to travel the world, doing a bunch of stuff. And then, um, but being in Dallas, going to SMU, and um, having worked for Neiman's for a while, I was tired of Dallas and wanted to get something new. And so I ended up, a headhunter called, and one thing led to another, and I ended up here in Chicago um, working as a senior merchandise manager for Baker Furniture. But I love the Aurora Furniture, so this is my favorite showroom. But I was um, a senior merchandise manager for Baker Showroom for their showrooms and the retail stores that they had at the time for about five or six years. And, um, and while I was there, I went back to school. I went to Harrington, got my interior design degree. So in the back of my mind, I'm inching closer and closer to really doing what I always wanted to do and what I loved was interior design, and then uh, one of my um, colleagues at Baker Furniture, she was getting her, um, she had a beautiful apartment on Lake Michigan, and Morganti Wilson Architects was helping her combine the unit across the hall into one big, beautiful, you know, full floor um, suite for her and her husband and her beautiful family. And they were talking, and um, Alyssa Morganti was sort of sharing with her that she wanted to start an interior design division, and one thing led to another. And 15 years later, here I am. So um, we have a thriving interior design practice, and I love it. Great. My name is Bob Zuber, and I'm an architect. I work with Kay at Morganti Wilson Architects. And <clears throat> my path to where I am now was not quite as circuitous as yours. Um, I knew I wanted to be an architect from as just a little boy. I went to the University of Illinois and got my master's degree came to Chicago, I started working in a firm, big uh, corporate firm downtown, and I absolutely hated it. It was the worst thing <laughs> I had ever experienced in my life. I thought I had just spent six years of my life dedicated to study of architecture. Maybe I needed to try something else. Well, I decided to switch firms, 
and um, I decided maybe residential was where I needed to be. Smaller projects, uh, more more hands-on, a lot more turnaround. And I always felt like the clients were so deeply involved with their homes, like their children. It's like babysitting their children that um, I thought that I was really invigorated by that. So I uh, switched to Marganti Wilson, and I can say in February of next year, I will have spent exactly half of my life working for Marganti Wilson. So I won't tell you how old I am. <laughs> I'll just tell you I was 24 years old when I started, <laughs> when I started working. Um, and now I work, I'm a junior partner with Kay at the firm and um, director of architectural design. Very Thank you. My name is Emily Giroux. Um, I work for James Thomas Interiors. We're based in Chicago. Um, I started there about 12 years ago, actually. Um, came from Michigan State, majored in interior design. It was my second job in Chicago. I had a short job um, for about a year at another firm that I knew right away wasn't a good fit for me. Um, but I absolutely love it. We work on projects all over. I work with Jim, um, and a handful of us are in the back. So, that's it. Right. Uh, my name's Jim Josephson. I have been working at James Thomas for eight years as a project lead, along with um, Emily, and love everything about it. Mm -hmm. Originally from uh, Minneapolis, and I went directly to design school out of high school. And um, I've always had a really genuine interest in interior design and uh, decorative arts. Um, I had the opportunity to work with some really high-end firms, small boutique firms, when I graduated and really got to cut my teeth on some really amazing projects, uh, which really just confirmed what I wanted to do. So, uh, working in Chicago now for 16 years, and we get to work on projects all over the country, which is fantastic. And, um, you know, every day is different, and uh, it's awesome getting out of bed every morning and going to work. Thank you. Thank you. So, you know, it's, it's interesting, and it, it dawned on me, if, if, you're not, if you're not working in the Midwest, this idea of the Third Coast, it, it's, it's not common outside of, of this area. And, you know, we wanted, I wanted to just start with sort of an outsider's perspective. Bob, what is the Third Coast? As I understand it, um, <laughs> because, you know, like you're saying, that's not a term that we've used a lot. I have heard the term before. Um, and I think, uh, so the, the third coast, I think, is around the Great Lakes region um, and the homes around there. Um, and, of course, the other two coasts would be um, the east coast, the west coast. And we were talking about maybe a fourth coast down by Texas, Florida. Um, as far as stylistically, how it differs... Um, I feel, and we also had this long conversation about how does our, the third coast differ from the east coast, the west coast, and we really feel, we got to the kind of the bottom of the, the issue after a lengthy discussion, and that it was more of a lifestyle rather than a style, and, and what I mean by that was, um, you know, we talk about Midwestern values, and, but what does it really mean, and um, and I'll tell you, I had to do a Google search because, <laughs> like, and I was pleasantly surprised to find that, oh yeah, that makes complete sense. But I was just so, I'm from the Midwest, um, and so I just thought that everybody felt that way. And what we mean by that is, you know, hard work, maybe a little modesty, friendliness, 
uh, family-centered, um, practicality. practicality, efficiency. Um, and so what that means as far as relates to style is um, it doesn't really matter what style the house is. So if you go to like Nantucket, you'll see a lot of, you know, like Cape Cod houses with shingles and, and, and they have kind of weathered look. And you drive around Michigan, the north shore of Chicago, you're going to see a lot of different styles of houses. But one thing that they all kind of share is that there's maybe a great deal of entertaining there. Maybe there's a lot of um, bunk rooms for their, for their kids and their grandkids and their cousins. Um, there's a lot of outdoor, more informal, like entertaining spaces. I feel like we're getting a little farther away from formality and a little more towards informality. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel. Um, and so it just seems like the house is more of an expression of how you want to live your life and, and the people you want to surround yourself and the values that you share rather than a specific style. Mm -hmm. That's what we felt. Right. How does, that, how does that translate into your design? Those ideas, those ideals? Well... We have projects where, you know, the exterior is more cohesive with the environment the home is in, but the interior is reflective of the client. Um, when we choose furnishings and decor, yeah, I would it's agree. more what, what they're after. I think there is a genuine interest in kind of more historic styles, but mm -hmm. it has to function, like you were saying, we're moving away from more formal living, but I still think all of those styles are kind of tried and true and they still look good and they're proven and I don't want to say they're conservative but I think they're a safe bet when you're building a new home mm -hmm. and um, I think Midwesterners appreciate that I think the third coast appreciates that mm -hmm. um, and I think I mean I think that the hybrid mix is what defines this third coast interior mm -hmm. for me like it's it, it means that we're uninhibited. It means that, you know, we don't have to worry about what the Joneses are doing. We don't have to necessarily be concerned about what the next door neighbor's house is like. I mean, certainly we want it to blend into the environment and the aesthetic and the surroundings, but I think because we, for the most part, are a mix of people from a lot of different places, we're bringing that, you know, to this third coast and making it what we want. And so to me, I feel like as you were talking about, you know, people consider us this fly this flyover state and whatnot, and what we're doing doesn't really matter, and it's not, you know, really noteworthy. I completely disagree, right? I feel like the two opposite coasts are kind of stuck in their conventions, right? Mm -hmm. And this is what we do, and this is how we do it, and we're doing it over and over again. Whereas here in the Midwest, I feel like we're the ones that are creating something new. Mm -hmm. You know, we're sort of bringing unique, you know, sort of custom, you know, original design every time with every house that we, that we do. So it's interesting that you say that. I want to float an idea by you because I, I, something you said, I don't think the idea of a flyover state doesn't mean that you're not creating or crafting or developing or doing great work here. It means that you're not getting attention for it. You're not getting a, a ton of coverage on what you're doing. And I'm, I'm curious if modesty was a big one, right? In that, in that sort of idea of, of what Midwest ethics ideals. Mm -hmm. I'm curious if that, if that idea behind the modesty of it maybe keeps the design out of social media. Maybe it's more, you see it, but you, you see the design as the backdrop, as the set, if you will, for the experience 
that the inhabitants of the dwelling, you know, the family, the business, whatever it happens to be, I'm, I'm curious, do you think that has anything to do with, with the, the lack of coverage or the perceived lack of coverage or the perceived idea that new ideas don't exist on the third coast? I, I certainly do. Yeah, I, I can totally see that. Absolutely. I'm like up to here with like, you know, celebrity design. Yeah. You know, like, you know, it's like, it's all for show. The cover right? of it's magazine. It's just all yeah. for shock value. Yeah. And Spectacle. I feel, right? And I feel yeah. like what we're doing and one of the things that we talked about is, you know, our design is driven from the program mm -hmm. of the client, right? We're starting with what we were trying to achieve. How does a client want to live? And, and, and so it's, it's all sort of, you know, very personable, but because there's not, you know, necessarily Lenny Kravitz or, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, Rihanna, you know, having to do something with it that, you know, it's not going to sell in the magazine or what, what have you. But I think that the design itself is really pure, original, and much more, um, much more interesting and much more true to how people really want to live and what people are looking for in design. It's very, um, to tack onto that, I feel like the way we approach design in our firm is very client driven. Mm -hmm. um, we're not impressing our design aesthetic onto the clients at all. They come to us, like you were saying, with a program, with this, and we ask them very specific questions. Well, how do you entertain? How big are the groups you entertain? Is it casual? Are you grilling? Are you outdoors, indoors? Do you like to meet for drinks first? You know, we're getting very specific. And then we design the house around how they want to live their lives. They want to lead a very intentional life, and we're trying to help them achieve that through well-thought-out design. And, um, yeah, I, I just think it's, you know, style to me is, well, we can do any style you want. You know, we could do uh, a Georgian or we could do a Tudor, and we'll do it very well. Um, but to us, that's not real, and that's the X factor the client brings to the table. They're like, well, I, I like this style, and whatever, and, and we'll see how far we can push the envelope, you know, and do something a little transitional, we like to call it. Um, but for the most part, I feel like good architecture is, um, it's, is it functional? Is it pleasing to the eye? And will it stand the test of time? Um, and I feel like that's the way we approach architecture rather than, per se, a style that we're imposing on our clients. I was going to say, kind of mirroring up what you were saying, you found in the last few years, clients are building more legacy homes where they're planning for their future of their children, their grandchildren, um, just handing it down in their families and making it a space for the future. Mm -hmm. I feel like family is very important and our clients always come first and I don't think we ever walk into a project or begin a construction project thinking we're going to get this published and we're going to make this room crazy so it gets attention. It's always client driven. Mm -hmm. It's what they want. Um, obviously we have an opinion and we advise them so it looks good at the end of day but if it gets attention at the end, great. If it doesn't, we want to make them happy and that's kind of first and foremost always. Yeah. When we're working on but projects. we can go to sleep at night because our work is authentic. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's not so, contrived or you know so, trendy. At the same time, I think it's also really interesting. I've, I've, I've long said that, you know, one of the hallmarks of great design is that re regardless of, of who the creative is that's doing it, you may not know who designed the room, but because you can, I'll tell you a story. So when I when I first started interviewing 
designers, I used to ask this question. It was so embarrassing now for me to go back and listen to things that I did when I first started doing things. I so bad. I used to ask this question. It wasn't a stupid question. was to some, but it wasn't a stupid question. It was a pedestrian question. And I used to ask creatives, so what's your style? What do you like? And I, I realized over time that it doesn't matter what their style is. And a good creative will tell you. It doesn't matter what, I, what my style is. That being said, though, you can always see a through line of the creative's work. D designers and architects, you have, you have a fingerprint that transfers over to the work. So regardless of what the style is, I think that the work you do, there, there are always some through lines that pass through to the finished product. And it's not so much about posting it on Instagram or posting it. I'm interested more to know, functionally, what's changed? We, we've had this massive disruption. I'm, who's tired of the word disruption, right? <laughs> but we've had, this, we've had this major disruption in design specifically because people have changed the way that they live. And I'm curious how that's changed here in the shadow of those ideals. I will, I'm going to tangent off that question uh, real quick if I could. And that, that was a really good point because um, you guys might not know it as the interior designers, but as the architect approaching it, we often will approach a house or a room or design from an interior standpoint. How's it going to function? So, for example, I started working for uh, Fred Wilson, Alyssa Morganti, you know, 24 years ago. And, um, you know, some of the first designs I'd work on, you know, I'm going to just kill it, man, this is going to be awesome. And Fred would say, well, how are you going to furnish this room? You know, how's this room functioning? You're walking right in front of these. So we're always thinking about how is this room being used? How is it actually functioning? How are you going to, how are you going to, you know, there's the old thing about, you're going to look at the TV or the fireplace, you know, the two things. And how are, you, how are you going to meld the two together? And there's a great view out the window at the lake or whatever. How are you going to, how are you going to meld that with the way people are walking into the room? So we're always thinking about, so almost all of our early designs, we always almost put furniture in them. I wouldn't say it's a great furniture plan because we're architects, but we always, you know, if I'm, if I'm stumbling, I'll, I'll go over to Kay's desk and say, Kay, I need some help on this, how this is going to lay out. But we just want to know that the room uh, is basically a, an empty canvas for the interior designer to come in later, and it will work, and it's just functional. It's well thought out. Yeah, so, it's important. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Where are we putting the bed? Yeah. Thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I think in the shadow of the disruption, I think people are asking more from their homes. They need mm -hmm. to function. Space that is just serving no purpose anymore doesn't need to be there. We were talking about things that we're not doing anymore, home theaters are out. We don't do that anymore. No one goes in there. They're just empty. So I think people are spending more time, more time in their homes and really thinking about, how do I use this house? Is this something that I like anymore? Do I need to just change it? Um, you know, if you're not going to the office and you're working from home and you have a tiny office, you know, maybe your guest bedroom's turning into your you know, main home office and we need to put the guests somewhere else. Um, yeah, I feel like we're doing, uh, I feel like homes are getting more casual. And by that, I don't mean less expensive, by any means, but they're getting more comfortable um, and for easy living. Like the formal living room you don't go into, right. you know, until Christmas. Right. That's the kind yeah. of a thing of the, of, right. of the past. Right. Um, but I also feel like uh, over, like you were touch, talk, talking about, overlapping functions, mm -hmm. like, you know, 
if I am going to have a living room, I want to be able to use it year-round. So let's turn it into a library or a place to have coffee or something like that. We're actually going to use this room. So these overlapping functions and the, the ability to open up a space or close it off, I feel has been really important, mm -hmm. especially in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. You might have somebody doing homework in the, in the dining room, or but you can open it up and have 40 people for Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of functioning I think we're talking about is making sure that the house is... Every room in the house is livable all year round. Right. You know, <clears throat> excuse me, we're, we're tight now. We're good friends now. And because of that, I feel comfortable challenging you on, on something a little bit. The purpose of this conversation, we're talking about the Third Coast. And we're talking about this <clears throat> idea of West Coast, East Coast, the Third Coast. You know, and this, it's a hybrid of Lake Living and, and Midwest ideology. And it sort of dawned on me, you know, I'm going back to those ideals and we talked about modesty. And I'm thinking back, you know, this, is, this conversation is part design and it's part business, right? And the business side of it goes back to the idea that we were talking about not getting, I don't want to call it credit, because sometimes there's a negative connotation with that. Lack of attention for what you do. And I'm interested to know if you think the social media, the self-promotion, is always, you always have, we've all seen them, the designers who are just out there like, look, I painted a room, I just did a room, isn't it great? And you're like, yeah, I know, saw it, saw it. I've seen it for the last five months, I've seen it, I get it, you did a room, it's great. But I'm wondering if that lack of attention for the work that you do isn't somehow inextricably linked to that modesty idea and an unwillingness to sort of push it. It's like, well, my client is I'm seeing a smirk over here. Like, oh, I'm ready. Go, bring it. Bring it. <laughs> it might be. I think we talk in the office sometimes about, like, well, we should Instagram this. And we're like, no, no, we're not going to Instagram it. And then we laugh for, you know, someone puts a felt pad on a chair and they're Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> like, sometimes, you know, it's just, I don't know. It just depends on, you know, to catch the moment. But I agree with you. Some people are always just continually posting. And I don't know if it's noise or if it's actual content that, people want to see. Um, Do you think that professional modesty is sort of embedded with, within the firms, within, within the practice? Mm, I don't think so. No. I think we're all just busy. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but at the same time, isn't the promotion of the work part of the business in and of itself to, to get the work out? So isn't that what brings you new clients? I would say Instagram has brought us clients or it's a, an outlet for someone to easily find us and, and see our work. Um, but a lot of ours is referral based. Yeah, I would agree. I, I feel like our, our presence on social media um, or say if we have an ad in a, a magazine or something like that is more brand driven mm -hmm. maybe and uh, a lot of our work is from referrals so I we always feel like you know keep the client happy do <laughs> exactly what you're tasked to do and you'll always be busy right. and do it know? well do it well exactly yeah. yeah I mean I think we're working with clients we're on third fourth homes now mm -hmm. and there's a client that we're working with now that it was the first project I worked on when I started at James Thomas and we're now building a new home for them you know in Montana and it's it's crazy. It's just full circle how it, it happens. So it's it's nice to have familiar faces come back. Mm -hmm. We take a lot of pride in customer service. Um, 
and, and executing a job for a client from the start to finish um, with every layer that they're willing to let us do. Um, we want to round it out and we want them to call us again. Talk to me about Third Coast migration, leaving cities, going out to, you know, and again, you've got, we were trying to figure out before, it's like, how many miles do you think there are of coastline around the Great Lakes? I mean, somebody can Google that. It's okay, but we don't need to do that. It's a lot. It's a lot. And it dawns on me, too, that, you know, we're not going back to pre-pandemic ways of life because people realize, I like my home when it's more functional. I actually like spending more time here. Mm -hmm. Travel is really important. Let me travel for inspiration and let me bring that home and a little piece of something with me. What are you finding your clients are looking for as they migrate, perhaps, even not, if not totally, but partially, as they go from working full-time in a city environment out to, uh, to a lake house or a second house? Well, you know, and it's funny, when we were talking about this, we were talking about, you know, a lot of people referring to, you know, their lake house as a secondary home. And it just seems like an inaccurate description because the way that we are designing these homes they are a second primary home, not a secondary home. It's a second primary home. Everything that's in their primary home, I feel like we're putting into you know, these lake houses. So whether it's a fitness room, um, which is replacing maybe the theater room, or the offices you know, are becoming super important, obviously, with COVID and whatnot, screen porches. you know, And so they're just really sort of packed with every amenity that your primary city house would have. Um, sometimes more. Sometimes more. <laughs> you know, yeah. Exactly. Uh, full finished basements in mm -hmm. some of these places. You know, boathouses, giant garage. garages yeah. for the toys and whatnot. So, you know, and then all the bells and whistles that goes with that. Um, you know, one of the things that we were kind of talking about in terms of what is driving, like, what are some of the trends that we're seeing? And we were just talking about how a lot of that is driven by the technology you know, from our building industry, like how big can this window be? What is the biggest window we can get? What is the biggest nano wall we can get? How can we just open this yeah. whole thing up? And so, you know, some of the trends I feel like that we're seeing um, in terms of the functions of the house is just put it all in, put it all in. It's, you know, no convenience is really left on the table. But, you know, from an aesthetic standpoint, one of the things that, I, you know, that I personally am saying is this sort of move to modern. Um, and Bob refers to it as the business in the front, party in the back. The, the, mo the, mo the moment concept. The moment concept. Yeah. Um, where the front of the house, I love it, right? So the front of the house, you know, is a bit, you know, it's maybe a little bit tr traditional. You it know, reflects the neighborhood, you know. It doesn't necessarily need to match it, but it's it's modest. reminiscent. It's modest, you know. And there's maybe mullions in the window, and there's a peaked roof, and it looks. But you go around back, and it's like, oh my gosh, bam, wall to wall glazing, Glass. right? You feel yeah. like you, you know, have just sort of been transported, you know, to you know some West Coast, you know, yeah. house. Um, so, but I feel like we are inching ever and ever closer to that more and more of our projects are reflecting, you know, that design where, you know, the client might, you know, have very Midwestern values and be, you know, somewhat um, conservative, but, you don't, you know, we don't sort of pitch the idea as, oh, let's make it modern on the back. We talk about, let's get this big giant ass window, you know, and so it's like, how can we really max out these views and how can we really, you know, sort of 
um, get this, you know, perspective from every angle of this gorgeous, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. lakefront. Indoor outdoor living. This yeah. indoor outdoor yeah. living that you've got the pleasure of being able to wake up to every and day. By the way, um, we found a company, I think it's in Canada, that made the biggest window we've ever put in a, in a house. And it was like 15 feet by 12 feet. And it was like, wow. the only thing that, would, that limited the size of the window was the size of the flatbed truck that you could put it on. And so it's really just to sh- just just take advantage of the lake if you're on the lake of the view, and in the backyard and um, bringing the outdoors in and being very casual about it, I guess. But I think it's interesting to see that our clients are, you know, just being more accepting of that and being more open to that look. And you know, so I feel like if if we in the design community, right, can you know have the fortitude to sort of push the envelope in that respect. We're finding that the clients are open to it, and they're you know they're sort of going with us on it. <laughs> Midwest mullet. I know. <laughs> 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 it's like you've got Colonial Revival, the Cape Cod mod, the Midwest mullet, <laughs> Moe in front. <laughs> love it. Um, Last question I, I want to ask you about because it's it's so relevant right now is this pain for the supply chain pain, this prescription rather for that supply chain pain. It hurts so bad trying to trying to find that the biggest window you can get. At the same time, Midwest, you are surrounded by remarkable American-made companies and remarkable furnishings and remarkable textiles and. Just you have you have options here. It's still there's still a little trouble getting it to you, but has that has that how I know it has how has that affected the the manner in which you design? I can say that um, you know getting the parts and pieces of a house has been difficult. But what's been even more difficult is the the pool of workmen or workwomen mm. who can actually build the house. And for example, uh, we were just chatting with one of our another one of our junior partners yesterday, and ironically enough, the most expensive house we've ever designed was not in the Chicago area; it was up in Door County, just because there was no contractors around. In that, they had to travel three or four hours to go there, so it was about six hundred dollars a square foot for this tiny little <laughs> four thousand square foot house. Yeah. Tiny, four thousand square foot house. <laughs> But, you know, it's astronomical. I mean, we're finding this, you know, even downstate Illinois. We've had a couple, like, smaller products. Some of our clients maybe have retired and moved, you know, out of the city. And we just can't find any workers to do it. But um, the supply chain, um, I don't know. Maybe you could answer this better than I could. You know, I mean. It varies. Just have to do. We have to recalibrate our clients' expectations. Yes. Is the bottom we line, right? Yes. Weekly. It's we're now saying a year. A year yes. the time we're ordering. You can expect it With to be that, I will, I will just say, um, everyone has put has started putting in their contracts, this price is good for two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. It used to be, oh yeah, get it, get it when you're done. It's like, no, you got two weeks. <laughs> if it's not in in two weeks, price is going to go up. It's going to go up. No, no. It's going to go up. Um, with that, I'm. Uh, uh, do we have any questions? Anyone? Any ideas? Thoughts? Okay. Yes, sir. I'm curious. Uh, Between the five states, right, uh, here in the Midwest, Ohio, Michigan, Indiana, Wisconsin, oh, do you find personality differences between your clients? Um, And if so, how do you 
Oh, great question. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, personality, a little bit. I, mean, but I, don't, I, don't, I think it's difficult <laughs> to, to attribute it to a region, though. I mean, well, because a lot of our clients are, we're doing their, we know them from maybe the Chicago area, sure. and then we're doing a summer home for them in Wisconsin or right. Michigan. So it's kind of the same person. Although I will say, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say this. I will say I think a lot of people in Wisconsin are super nice. Like, <laughs> I, just, across the board, they're just the nicest people to work with. But I'm, maybe I'm going to anger some people. From <laughs> Sorry. Fair. Yeah. I, think, I, think so. I, think, I think they're just nice all around in the Midwest. I don't think there's anything bad to say. I mean, we've... Yeah, we Never had a bad experience at all. Everyone's just a yes person, happy to help us. I would We're also that. nice, too, so that helps. I would echo that. I'm from Oklahoma, and when I came here to Chicago, I you know, was very frightened, and I was like, oh, my gosh, and I have to walk around with my mean face on and my elbows out, you know. And, you know, it was like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm at home. You know, people would say hello and thank you and hold the door every now and then, you know. And so I feel like, you know, we are... You know, Chicago, as much as it is like, you know, a mini New York, you know, with, you know, with lakefront, you know, um, it, it is a very friendly, friendly city. So I know, I don't know if most of you have seen that we've been ranked, what, the top, one of the top three or most beautiful cities in the world, I think. And so, um, and so, I don't know, I feel very fortunate, you know, to be a designer in this area. Um, Me too. Yeah. And Me too. I think yeah. you have a lot to Yeah, question over here. Yeah, I want to take my mask off. <laughs> so this is a little self-promotion, but because um, I do publish these magazines, and um, I will tell you. So first of all, you're the first folks to me. I, I, I really, I really do believe that. You know, when we kicked Josh here, I, we, we took a little walking tour around the city. I, I lived here for a long time, and you know, in New York, when I, where, where I live, I never look up at a building. Here, I'm pointing. Here, I'm pointing. Here, I'm pointing. It, it really is so. There's no feeling from a New Yorker that this is um, like anything. But that said, you talk about the humility and things like that, which I do find that. I, I do find that. And I, I find that as a publisher of magazines that we get submissions all the time from New York, from Los Angeles, from, from here. Send us your freaking projects. They're beautiful. I mean, it, it really is. We want to publish them. It's, it's hard for us because we don't know, you know, I think the publicists are a little more noisy in the and I think that's part of the reason about getting. And I really want to shine the biggest light on this area. Okay, buddy, you heard it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? And, and by the way, thanks. Thank you. Um, yeah. That is legit, and that is absolutely true. The only thing and the worst thing that could possibly happen to you if you send your idea is somebody doesn't publish it. That's the worst thing that could happen. What's the best thing that could happen, right? Think of the possibilities. Um, with that, I, I'd like to thank thank you, Aspire and Gallery Magazine. Um, thank you, Aurora, for, for having us. Thank you for having us. This is fantastic. Really appreciate it. It's a great topic. It's a great subject. And I would love for us to continue this particular conversation and talk about it again, because you deserve it. Y'all are doing some great work here. So thank you very much for being here. Thank you for participating. Thank you all for coming out. Now, before you leave, just know we've got a happy hour. Marshall's Landing, right? Downstairs, everyone knows where that is. Come out. Celebrating Design Chicago. Let's go celebrate Design Chicago, have a cocktail, and uh, keep it going. Thank you so much.
Thank you, Aaron, Jim, Kay, and Bob for participating, and Diorora for presenting this conversation. Thank you, Design Chicago and the Mart for having us out. Thank you to all of the designers, architects, and other creatives for coming out and sharing of yourselves at this amazing event. Thank you for listening to the show. Make sure you are subscribing to the podcast so you never miss a single episode. Listen, subscribe, and come back to chill.